Well, good morning. As Pat said, my name is Seth Dorman, and I am a deacon here at Cottonwood, and I'm excited uh, to share the word with you all this morning. Um, first of all, when I first got this topic um, to talk about, I did not draw the short straw, which many of you probably think that when you hear what the topic is. Uh, I said, no, I'd like to share on that one. And right away when I thought moral purity, so when you think about flourishing in the area of moral purity, the first thing that came to my mind right away was the area of sexual purity. So right away I thought, okay, this is the direction I'm going to go, and this is what my mind thinks about. And I thought, you know, I should touch basis with my wife just to make sure everybody's kind of thinking of the same thing when it comes to moral purity. And so I asked Terry, I said, honey, what do you think, like when I say flourishing in moral purity, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And she said, I think about getting angry and raising my voice at the kids. <laughs> I was like, that's like, that wasn't even close to what I was thinking about. That's like the absolute opposite end of the spectrum. And I think it was a great example how when it comes to moral purity, there can be all kinds of different areas of struggle in each of our lives, sin in our lives that we're struggling with. And it's not the same for each of us. So when, with moral purity, let's start out, I want to define moral purity. So what are we talking about when we say moral purity? So Webster de defines moral, which a lot of us probably know it as morals, like good morals, right? Moral is concerning or relating to what is right and wrong in human behavior. Okay, so looking at our human behavior, what is right and what is wrong. And then, of course, purity is being without fault, being without blemish, being pure. So being pure in our morals, in our, in our behaviors, in what's right and wrong. Now, our world and our culture teaches us and tells us and pushes us that there's no right and wrong. Whatever's right for you, it's okay, right? You can follow, follow your heart. If, something, if something's going to give you pleasure or is going to make you happy, that's okay. You can follow that. But God's design is very different than that. And, you know, the truth is we have a God who loves us, a God who created each one of us, who knows exactly how we can flourish in our life. Right? So that's what we're talking about. We're talking about flourishing in areas of our life. God knows that how certain decisions we make, behaviors we do, can lead to pain, can lead to destruction, can lead to heartache. And when we're following after how he's called us to live, that's how we are going to flourish in our life. Um, like I said, flourishing can be, or, or moral purity can mean a lot of different things. To each of us. So I want to just tell a little bit about my story and one of my struggles, and you may relate to it. It may be a little bit different from uh, things that you guys have dealt with. But when I was in junior high, I grew up in a small town, so northern Minnesota, and I was riding around my bike around the town. We would kind of hang out and go to the pool and things like that. And uh, one time a friend and I came to an abandoned gas station. So it was an old gas station that had been abandoned for decades, I suppose. And so we went inside the gas station and thought, let's just go check it out and see what kind of things are in here. And there was broken windows and there was old glass bottles and old artifacts and things. And in kind of one of the side rooms, there was a magazine that was sitting up on a desk. And we looked over at this magazine and it said Playboy on the front of it. 
And I didn't even know what that meant at that point. I had never heard that before. But there was this provocative picture of a woman on the front of it. And my friend and I went over and we started paging through this magazine. And I, I remember thinking, this is the first time I'd ever been exposed to something like this. And I remember thinking, this is really wrong. Like, going through and seeing these images, this, this is wrong. There's something wrong about this. And then there was another side of me on the inside that said, this really brings me pleasure. And I wonder, what's going to be on that next page? Like, I saw this page. What's going to be on the next page? But this is wrong. It was like there was this internal battle. And going through a high school, I'm, I'm old enough. This dates me a little bit. This thing that they call internet, you know, there was no such thing at that point. Um, there wasn't even dial-up, actually, at that point. Um, there was no such thing as a smartphone, um, which I'm thankful for. If I had those things at my fingers in high school, I think I would have had a huge struggle in this area throughout high school. Um, but when I went to college, there was internet. And this area was a struggle. That I, I had times where I would walk in victory, and I would have times where I was doing well in this area, and I'd have times where I would click on something and kind of take me down a track where I'd be looking at things that were unrighteous. And it was a significant struggle. And I remember thinking in the college age, thinking, you know what? When I get married, all of this is going to go away. And that was honestly, I share that because some of you maybe here that could be in your mind, but when I get married, then this area, this struggle, this temptation is just going to disappear. And I got married to my beautiful wife, and, uh, and the temptation didn't just disappear. That this continued to be an area where I was tempted in, an area that I struggled in, an area that I still failed in. And I remember that was the point where it probably hit me the most because I thought, I'm going to be done with this trial, this sin, this temptation, and it wasn't gone. And I felt hopeless. I honestly, one time, I remember sitting there just feeling like, after I had struggled, I don't think I'm ever going to walk in victory in this area. Like, I just don't think I can break free of this, this temptation. And I just felt shame, I felt guilt, um, and just didn't think I was going to ever break free, free from this area of sin. That's pretty vulnerable, huh? <laughs> Thank you for laughing with me. Um, but that was my struggle. And I'm, I'm sure some of you can relate to that today as well. But I appreciate Paul in Galatians talking about a lot of different areas of unrighteous living, right? Areas of sin that can be big challenges in our life. And Pat read uh, that list in Galatians, the second part of Galatians 5, which is 19 through 21, where it talks a lot about a lot of different areas of sin, areas of moral purity that can be challenges in our life. Talks about, like I said, sexual purity and lust. You know, that could be pornography. That could be sexual relationships outside of marriage, how God designed sex to be a gift. Talks about uh, anger and quarreling, having anger as just having a grip on our lives. Talks about jealousy, and this could come in all kinds of different ways. Well, if only I had that amount of money, if I had that person's job, if I had 
that person's husband or that person's wife, then I would be happy. If I had this number of kids, looking to other, other things that we are jealous or envious about. Pride, considering ourselves better than others. Selfishness. Addiction. Talks about drunkenness. This could be alcohol. This could be other substances that can be an area in our life that just can have a grip and a hold on our lives. Idols are listed, putting other things above God in our lives. So there's lots of different areas, and some of us can struggle with many of these different areas in our life. But I want to talk about if there are areas of struggle in your life, of moral purity, three different things that I think can be really helpful um, to go through to lead us to being able to flourish, okay? Being, that's what we're talking about today, being able to flourish in the area of moral purity. The first thing is plant the right seeds. Plant the right seeds. Galatians 6, 7 and 8 says, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to the flesh pleases their flesh. From the flesh they will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And so my question is, where are we sowing seeds in our life? So we're, we're picturing our lives with this flourishing series as a series of gardens, right? A series of gardens in our life. So if we picture this area of moral purity, and we picture a garden uh, with black soil, maybe it's been tilled up, it's been fertilized, we have this garden ready to grow. What kind of seeds are we planting in our garden of moral purity? About 20 years ago, when Terry and I first were married, so this is over 20 years this year, actually, um, when we were first married, we used to love to watch dating shows. Okay, so this is something like Um, Probably kind of like The Bachelorette or The Bachelor, except for it was really short shows, like 30-minute shows that were, there would be uh, a man there, and there would be three women that would come on the show, and the guy would kind of, in this half an hour, decide which one he liked best, and he would discard one, and then he'd date the other two and decide which one he liked there, and then he'd pick one that he would then go on a date with or continue to date, and then it would be a guy, or then it would be a girl with three guys and comparing, and so these were half-an-hour shows. And we used to love these shows. We would just, we would binge watch these shows. And I think this is before Netflix and before binging was even a thing. Um, We'd just sit down and we would just watch a bunch of these shows. And one time, Terry just, after we were done kind of watching a few of them, she said, I just, I don't really think this is right. This just doesn't feel good with my soul. She was being led by the Spirit, I believe, and just saying, this is just, I don't think this is good for us. And as I thought about it, it was what I would do as I was watching these shows is there would be three women that would come on and I would kind of objectify these women and look at them and say, okay, who am I most attracted to? Like, what body type am I most attracted to? Um, then they would kind of get into personalities and stuff like that and kind of think, okay, what person, who would I pick? Like, almost putting myself in that position. And, of course, this is outside of my marriage, right? And what it was doing is it was like taking these seeds, right? So we have our our garden, our moral purity garden that's been tilled up, and it's black soil. 
it was like taking, um, let's say, cocklebur seeds. We've got all kinds of cockleburs around our, our yard. I mow them so they stay at the edge of the yard, but they're all over on the edge. It'd be like taking these cocklebur seeds that have gone to seed and just coming in my garden and kind of just, just going to sprinkle, sprinkle a, few, a few of these seeds in my garden. And which caused my flesh, right? The Galatians is talking about, are we feeding our flesh? Are we doing things to please our flesh? Or are we feeding our spirit? This is feeding the flesh, which is causing me to kind of compare women. And then outside of the TV going out, it was much easier to look at women, to look in, uh, outside of my marriage. Or be tempted more by things that would come up on the computer and things like that. It was like I was feeding my flesh with what I was allowing in to my life. And my moral purity garden probably looks something like this. I'd like to say that's somebody else's house. It's not. Rich, go back one. Go back to that previous one. So that's our old air conditioner. If you look right to the left of the air conditioner, can you see the hosta? You see it there? Tiny white edges and a little green right there. That garden is full of hostas back there. And hostas love shade. So I thought, well, I'll just let all the weeds grow up and they'll have lots of shade. (laughs) Everything else you see there is full of weeds. Sometimes our moral purity bed can be like that. That we've just allowed all kinds of things into our life that we're feeding our flesh, that we're planting seeds that are just going to be feeding our flesh, that it can grow up and it can choke out what God has designed. You know, and that's what Paul is talking about. Am I feeding my spirit or am I feeding my flesh? And feeding the spirit, I picture planting seeds, planting beautiful flowers in this, in this flower bed and letting them grow and flourish. Spending time in God's word, worshiping, communicating with God in prayer, telling what's on our heart. Maybe it's being around other believers that are encouraging me, challenging me, spurring me on in my faith. Things that are feeding my spirit versus allowing things that come in to feed my flesh. And I, you know, this can come in a lot of different ways, like what kind of seeds. So I want to ask, what kind of seeds are we planting? Could be like what I always talked about, media. Maybe things we're watching, TV shows, movies. Um, Maybe it has sexual stuff in it. If that's a struggle, that's just kind of feeding that fleshly desire in us. You know, maybe, I think about last year, Last year, I was watching a ton of news, and I was listening to all kinds of talk shows and stuff, and you know what? I was getting angry, just on the inside. I was just getting angry, and I would lash out in my anger. I'd look down on other people uh, because I was, just, I was just angry. For me, and I'm not saying it's not okay to understand what's going on in the world and look at things and watch the news and stuff, but for me, it was too much, that it was just feeding that flesh and anger and causing me uh, to sin. Maybe it's social media. I think about social media. It's so easy to go on and look at other people's life and say, oh man, if my life was like that, uh, then I would be happy. You know, or maybe social media and seeing everybody else's ideas and stuff and it's making you angry. So these can all be seeds that are just feeding that flesh and making us and causing us to more easily um, live unrighteously against uh, God's design. Galatians 5.16, that passage that, read the very, that Pat read at the very beginning, I love it where it says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. 
So I'm not telling, telling you, watch this or don't watch this or dating show. I'm telling you, what, for me, what this was doing in my heart. Uh, for each of us, it can be different. But my encouragement is, let the Holy Spirit guide, guide your lives. That we can, we can ask the Spirit, show me. Show me things that I'm allowing to come into my eyes and my soul that's causing me to feed my flesh, that's causing me to not be able to flourish. And I trust that the Holy Spirit can lead us in that. So what kind of seeds are we planting? Plant the right seeds. The second area is to bring your area of struggle into the light. When we struggle with something from a sin standpoint, it's really easy to just hide it and not talk about it with anybody. And, and it's so important to bring our area of struggle into the light. I was in home group a couple weeks ago, and Tiffany Chambers is in our home group, and she shared a story uh, just about a struggle, and I was so blessed by it. She shared about seeking somebody else's help. I said, Tiffany, would you be willing to share this in church on Sunday, which that's a whole new level of, of sharing, and she just very quickly said she'd love to. She's working shift work uh, at the hospital. She's a nurse over there, so she's working this weekend, but she taped her testimony, so I want you to check out this testimony. Hi, Cottonwood family. I wish I could be there this Sunday, but Seth asked me to share about um, bringing an area of struggle into the light. And so we had our first home group meeting since COVID in person um, a couple weeks ago. And so I shared, you know, the question was, why do you come to home group? And um, I shared about, you know, you don't realize uh, how much spiritual support such as home group really means to your life until it's taken away. And so with COVID um, and not being able to meet together and having a difficult winter last year, um, that, that support that my friends at home group and our, our, our community of believers provided was um, really challenging to not have for that difficult year and a half, right when we needed the most. And so um, this February, I reached out to Pat and Barb, um, Barb and Gabe being our home group leaders and um, wanted to meet with a woman that I could walk with and um, really share life with and some struggles and temptations that I'd never had in my life before. And so alcohol was really a temptation last winter um, for its anti-anxiety anti effects, um, just with distance learning and not knowing when that would end. And then the stresses of being a nurse and, um, you know, being in pandemic and some other uh, life stresses that were going on at that time in our family and in the world. And um, and so alcohol was really tempting to relieve that anxiety, but there was a verse that came to my mind um, in that difficulty, and that was Ephesians 5.19, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. And so, you know, exercise and dancing and music was something that I really enjoyed and was a stress relief, so I pursued those as well, and they were helpful. And then, um, you know, I looked up that verse one day and looked at one right before it, Ephesians 5.18, which says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. And another verse right before that is Ephesians 5.13, which is, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible, and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Uh, and so in February, I reached out to Barb and Pat, and, and Barb and I started going on walks and just to talk about life and um, really ask her to hold me accountable to that temptation. Um, it's easy to think that it's not a big deal, it's just a drink or two, um, but bringing it out before it became a big deal and before it really did lead to some big consequences 
I think spared me a lot of trouble in my life. And um, it really just took away that temptation, bringing it out, exposing it. It really just, uh, it took it away, it evaporated. And I know that that may come back in life when there are difficult times. And so continuing to walk in my faith with my fellow believers and other women that I admire that are great lights for Christ um, is very, very important. I'm, I'm very thankful to Barb um, for those walks that we had this spring and summer, and I hope we can continue to do them, but thanks. What a sweet testimony of, of Tiffany just realizing, I see this area in my life that can become a problem. I see this temptation and exposing it. And there's so much power in taking areas of sin in our life and bringing them into where they lose a lot of their power. It doesn't mean it just goes away, that it's never an issue anymore, but it loses a lot of its power. And in James... 5.16, therefore, confess your sins to each other, for each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. When it comes to moral purity, doing it on your own doesn't work. That we need believers with us. This has been a part of my life of talking to guys uh, accountability-wise for over 20 years now. And, uh, and so important, so important. The third area that I think is really important when it comes to dealing with, with moral purity and sin is to come just as you are. To come just as you are. I think our tendency when it comes to sin is to feel like we have to get everything together in our life before we can draw near to the Lord. And if we just clean this up a little bit, clean up this area of sin, then I, I'll be better, and then I can draw near to the Lord. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, right? Back to the Garden of Eden when sin first entered our world, where, what did Adam and Eve do? They hid, right? They ran and they hid. They felt the shame, they felt the guilt of sin, and they felt like they needed to separate from the Lord. And isn't it the same with us? Certainly in my life, that's how it's been. So when I've, when I've struggled with sin and felt that guilt, felt that shame, felt where it's just, it's hard to pray. It's super hard to worship. Uh, it may be, I don't even want to go to church because I feel the guilt and the shame. I don't want to be there. Um, I don't want to be with, with other Christians even because I feel like a hypocrite that I want to run and I want to hide. But you know, Jesus desires the exact opposite of that. That It says in Romans 5.8, it says, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us when we had our lives all put together. No, right? Not when we had our lives all... While we were still sinners, while, picture yourself in your worst place from a moral purity standpoint. If you look at your life and just say, where was I just 
steeped with, with sin in my life and just really struggling. And maybe that's now for some. Picture yourself at your worst place. Jesus loved you and loved me enough that he came, he chose to come and to die for us while we were still sinners. Not when we had it all put together. While we were still sinner. The other thing that that's really, I think is really cool to think about with Jesus' life is the fact that he understands. Jesus understands whatever, whatever area of struggle is in our life. Jesus can relate to it. Jesus understands it. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Right? That's talking about Jesus, the high priest. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet he did not sin. Rich, do you still have the quote by C.S. Lewis? Can you throw it up there? I love this quote as well by C.S. Lewis with, in Mere Christianity. It says, only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. And Christ, because he was the only man who, who never yielded to temptation, is also the only man who knows to the full of what temptation means. The only complete realist. All of us have sinned, right? Romans 3.23 says every one of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus came, he emptied himself, he lived over 30 years on this earth and faced temptations just like you face, just like I face, and yet he resisted and he did not sin. And he, had, he desired, he desired to be in relationship with us. He had to be, he had to resist temptation. He had to live a sinless life to be that sacrifice, to die on the cross, to shed his blood, that his blood can cover all of our sin, right? All of us his sin. Jesus' blood can cover. So that sin that separates us from God, when Jesus came and lived that sinless life, he did that to say, I want to be in relationship with you. He wants to be in relationship with me. Even when my life is a mess and I'm full of sin, I love you enough that I am willing to come and to die and to shed my blood that I can be in relationship with you and I can give you eternal life as well. Amen. So just in, in closing today, maybe you're here today and you're just checking out church, that this isn't part of your normal routine. Uh, maybe you're online and you're watching now or at a future date and you've never taken that step, that you've never taken the step to say, Jesus, I believe in you and I want to make you Lord of my life. My encouragement to you is exactly what this third point was. To come as you are. To come as you are. We don't have to have our lives all put together to come to Jesus. In fact, Jesus walked this, this world for over 30 years, and if you look at who was in Jesus' inner circle, Jesus had a prostitute. 
right? A prostitute who was in his inner circle, who, who believed in him and followed after him. Jesus had a tax collector who was a liar and a cheater who believed in him and came to him. Jesus revealed himself as the Messiah, right? The first person in his ministry that he revealed himself as the Messiah to was to a woman who had five failed marriages, right? And she was living at home currently with another man who wasn't her husband. And Jesus said, he said, I can give you living water, that you've looked for all these other ways to have fulfillment and to fill that hole in your heart, and I can give you, follow me, I can give you living water and fill that hole in your heart. He didn't say to her, he didn't say, okay, I want you to go home, and you're living with a man right now. You shouldn't be doing that. That's wrong. And why don't you move out and stop sleeping with him, and then when you have this together, then come to me. No. Jesus said, come as you are. The rest of this stuff, I'll lead you, right? Accept me as your Savior and follow after. That's, so that's my encouragement if you've never taken that step. There's not, there's not magic behind it. It's not uh, these special words that you have to say. It's just saying, I recognize, I feel the weight of my sin. I recognize I'm a sinner. Jesus, I believe that you did what you said you did, that you came and you shed your blood to cover all my sin, and I accept you as Lord of my life. And when I say that, when it says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved, it goes from more than just here, intellectually saying, yeah, I believe Jesus came and he did this, and what it's here, right? This is, a, this is a heart thing. This is saying, Jesus, I put you as Lord of my life, and I want to follow after you. I don't know about all this mess, but I trust you and that you can lead me. And that can be done. You could do that today. Maybe it's when we come up and we sing the last song that you just say those words to the Lord. Um, Maybe it's tonight. Uh, Maybe it's at home. Uh, Maybe it's lying in bed and uh, these, these thoughts are on the mind. The Holy Spirit's drawing you. I'd encourage you to just cry out to the Lord and then tell somebody. And then tell somebody that you've taken that step. There's nothing more important in life than that. Second, maybe you're here and you're saved, that you have accepted Christ, you've taken that step, and yet this area of moral purity is just a struggle. And you feel the weight of it, that there's sin in your life, that you just, you can feel the weight. You could relate maybe to what I was sharing, similar. Maybe it's one of these other areas, but you feel like it has a grip on your life. You maybe can relate to the shame and the guilt that comes with that. My encouragement to you is the same. Come as you are. You don't have to have all of it cleaned up to draw near to the Lord. And I'd encourage you to do these three things we talked about, these three steps, but do them in reverse order. Okay? Start out by coming as you are, of saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I see I am struggling in this area. I need you. I've been there. I've been there multiple times of just saying, Lord, I need you. I need you to help me in this area of my life. I need you to work. I can't live a righteous life without your power working inside of me, and I need you. Come as you are. And then bring it into the light. You know, maybe it's just shame and guilt at home. It's inside. You haven't even talked about it to anybody. Bring it into the light. Talk to, find a, find a Christian friend uh, here that you can talk to and bring it into the light where it loses 
a lot of its power. Somebody that can pray with you, somebody that can, can kind of walk through the struggle with you. Um, I've had multiple guys with me in this journey. I wasn't going to do this, but one of them's right here, John Shelkoff from 20-some, 20 years ago probably. John and I met for accountability in college. I've been bringing areas into the light for so many years and so helpful and powerful. And then lastly, look and say, what seeds am I planting? What seeds am I planting in my soil? Am I feeding my flesh that's causing me to struggle in these areas of my life? Or am I feeding my spirit which is where we can find flourishing in the area of moral purity. All right, worship team, why don't you come on up? We're going to close today with a song called The Beautiful One. And I love this song. I, I love how the words say, basically, take all this junk from me. Take my flesh, take my cravings for lust, take my pride, take it from me. And then the chorus goes to turn to say, it kind of takes your eyes off of the sin and turns it to Jesus, which is what we need to do, to say, Jesus, you are the beautiful one. You are the one who is worthy of it all. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much that you have a design for our life, Lord. You have a design that you designed for us to flourish. It says in John 10, 10, that you design for us to flourish in our life. And God, thank you that you've laid out how we can do that in your word, Lord. I pray that you would draw near to us, uh, especially those of us that are just struggling in this area of moral purity today that maybe have sin that is just, uh, has power and has a grip on our lives, Lord. Uh, Would you draw near to us, Lord? Help us to cast our, our burdens on you. Help us to turn our eyes and to fix them on you, Lord. And uh, Lord, for those that haven't taken that step uh, to accept you as Lord, uh, Lord, let today be the day of salvation. In Jesus' name, amen.